0: Self-development with tactics. So. This is going to be the first part, no, not the first part, but the third part of Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And we're going to go ahead with the summary and analysis of part one, speeches 12 to 22. I guess that this is going to be the last one featuring part one, but I am not actually quite sure. So therefore, we're going to see. It's not that long today, to be honest. I think yesterday was longer. Well... not gonna waste time anyways. So let's start. On the flies of the marketplace. And once again, I'm not gonna say Zarathustra all the time, because first of all, I don't know the right pronunciation. And second of all, it is just a necessary pain in my ass. Therefore, I'm gonna say Zara or Zara or however I'm gonna pronounce it. Sarah returns to the yeah returns returns to the marketplace the place where he encountered the tight row walker in the prologue This time he is speaking to a disciple After finishing his speech on the modern state Sarah turns his attention to the marketplace the place where ideas are exchanged He begins to he begins to categorize the people of the market He tells the disciple that what counts in a place such as this is showmanship. He says that there are great men, those who can attract the crowd and passionately express their opinions and ideas. These powerful people, the best showmen, are the politicians and intellectuals. They know best how to attract the crowd and to dominate the exchange of ideas. Sara calls those who serve these powerful people the flies of the market, but at the end of, this, of his teaching, Sarah shows the disciple that constantly being immersed in the marketplace is not the way to ascend. The exchange of ideas can only come from frustration when a person retreats into solitude, to let the ideas come to light. Or solitude, I'm sorry, is more necessary and noble than the market. On JSTD. Chastity. Well, I guess it is Chastity. After encouraging his disciples to seek solitude, Sarah addresses Chastity, a kind of solitude. Here Sarah begins to explain the teachings that he began in previous sections. In the prologue Sarah outlines his view that the body should experience pleasure and pain through the self. Here Sarah shows that he is not advocating a hedonistic lifestyle in which a person can give into any desire. Sarah true, uh, Sarah's true project is to have his followers channel their desires into spiritual desire that will help them ascend to the state of overman. For Sarah, not all are suited for chastity. For many, chastity I'm sorry, only causes one to burn inside with lust and sensuality, desires that will eventually destroy a person. Chastity is a desirable state, but Sarah echoes the ap- Apostle Paul when he says that a person is better to marry than to burn with lust on the friend do you guess it's going to be quite cool in this speech sarah speaks of friendship that is disciple to one that would be his disciple sarah says that friendship should inspire envy be- what should inspire envy between friends each friend urging the other through jealousy to ascend to a higher level of enlightenment For Sada, all friendships or friendship must have this utility, or it is a worthless relationship. If a man sees excellence or flaws in his friends, Sada teaches that he should seek solitude in order to reflect on how to attain the same excellence and how to overcome the same flaws in himself. In solitude, Sada's disciples gain a spirit of victory, a spirit that leads them towards enlightenment. And I gotta have to say, even though in the first place or just, you know, reading through it the first time and then hearing it the first time, it might sound a bit odd. It might sound a bit, you know, I don't want to say necessarily bad, but should you have a friendship that's making you feel envious and jealous? But by by further explaining what he means, I think it is a really good thing. And I was trying to see it or to to see whether... I'm having this in my life, and, well, I do have it to some degree in my life as well, which, you know, um, I think it is amazing. I mean, I am, in general, very fortunate to be surrounded by people that are just amazing, like, really amazingly smart people, most often. It is insane, it really is, And, and people with, you know, quite similar interests, and and well quite similar people i mean they are they are similar to me but still of course you know they are they are not me you know they all have flaws and you know uh, better sides than me if you understand what i mean but but they all are, are very smart i would say which i'm very grateful for and very fortunate to be honest as well on the thousand goals and one in this speech, Sara tells of his great travels. He has seen many cultures and civilizations and has found that all of them define goods and evils within them. However, these goods and evils are never the same. One culture might view as good what another culture views as evil, and vice versa. A culture finds worth in overcoming great difficulties. A culture identifies its highest needs. Its greatest difficulty, and when that thing is overcome, a culture calls it holy. Sarah teaches his disciples uh, disciples, that all great meaning is created by humans. Humanity creates laws and ideas to overcome the difficulties it faces in society. A person uh, is first a creator who assigns value to things. Only second is the person an individual. People, uh, Sarah teaches... What people, Sada teaches, value the community over the ego, which pro- proves that humanity has not reached its highest goal. Sada says that there have been a thousand different cultures and a thousand different goals, but the overman, the thousand and first goal of humanity, is the ultimate goal. Well, and I do want to point out and I do want to underline, yeah, there are so many things that that we just think are valuable. And if you personally just don't think that something is valuable, then, yeah, it makes sense that you're not pursuing it. I mean, let's let's actually talk about something that might be desirable. Health, for example. A lot of people are striving for health, you know, just working out every day, eating healthy every day. But on the other hand, you could just also eat shit every single fucking day and let this be your life. You can't do that. You really can you know, and you, on the other hand, or just through this and well, because of this, have to to give a fuck about what other people think because if you're a fat ass, you know people are gonna look, people are gonna talk about you, people are gonna be whatever, you know, you need to be healthy. you need to do this and that and whatnot, even though it's not the best example. I do have to admit that, but I think it kind of illustrates what i'm what I'm thinking about. and I mean, we personally, in our, in our personal lives, are also just giving meaning to certain things and value to certain things. As, as he says, a person is first a creator who assigns value to things. You know, we value certain things. I mean, I might be valuing um, being productive and, and doing things and getting shit done. This is what I, I kind of like to do. This is what I value. This is what I think is important. And for somebody else, it might be something completely different. Which is fine and nice, but if you think about it, if you think negatively, if you feel negatively about something or because of something, it is just because of the value that you've given to this certain thing, whether it is a scenario, action, object or whatever. You know, well, yeah, you've got a necklace from your grandmother. This is some some value that you've given to this object. And if you lose it, you're probably not going to be that happy because you've just given this object so much value, and or this certain value. It's it's insane if you think about it. On love of the neighbor, Sarah turns the lessons of the great prophets on their heads. Should people love their neighbors? Sarah answers, no. A person should love himself more than he loves his neighbor. Until a person truly recognizes the sacred or sacred nature of his individuality, he will not become the overman. Sara claims that people love their neighbors because they want someone to think highly of them. Loving one's neighbor is actually a selfish thing, but people don't think of it this way. For Sada, the desire to reach the goal of overman should be greater than the desire to love one's neighbor. Instead of finding a neighbor, Sara encourages his disciples to find a friend to compete with for enlightenment. On the way of the Creator. Sarah has now begun to create a kind of disciple that will follow his teachings and strive to attain the level of overman. To achieve this goal, his disciples must go into solitude. As mentioned before, this speech tells a disciple what to expect when he does venture into that solitude. Sarah tells his disciples that even though they are leaving the conventions of the world, they will still carry the voice of the herd with them. This voice will make them feel guilty for going their own way, but once the disciples overcome this guilt, they will be free to dedicate their own rules dictate, I'm sorry, their own rules and laws for themselves. The quote unquote herd will disapprove of this, but it is a necessary step on the way to the overman. Sarah tells the disciple that the One who goes into solitude, the one who begins to ascend to the overman, will be the one that the herd will hate the most. Sara himself discourages this after his encounter with the masses in the market. Sara tells his disciple that if he wants to be a star, he must shine through uh, what he must shine through for them all the more. Sara Uh, Sarah wants that the one in solitude will meet many enemies, but the worst enemy will always be the self. The self will want to go back to the herd and will try to sabotage the ascension. Well, yeah, I know all people that, well, if you're striving for something, there's always going to be that voice like, it is fine to rest today. It is fine to just have 10 reps instead of 12. It is fine to not read that. It is fine if you don't practice today. It is you know just just take one day off. It's it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be fine. But no, it's not. On little women, old and young. This speech opens with someone taunting Sarah, asking him why he sneaks around as if he is concealing something beneath his coat. Sarah answers that he is concealing something—a great truth that threatens to cry out. He tells the that he met an old woman on the road that day and the old woman wanted Sara to speak to her about women. Sara replied that he should only speak to men about women, implying that he can only teach men of the sight of women but he uh, consented to talk to the old woman anyway. Sara tells the old woman that a woman's only role is to be pregnant. He calls man a warrior and a woman a warrior's dangerous plaything. The woman should be for the man's pleasure and nothing more. A man, Sada says, is childish and needs a play, a plaything. This is the role that a woman can fill. A woman's greatest challenge is to be the one that can give birth to an overman. Sada then changes the tone of the teaching to show that to show what a woman's love is meant to do. A woman should give a. Uh, sacrificially to a man her love should be a wonderful yet fearful thing for a man he should play with her love yet also be afraid of it when a woman gives such love she becomes obedient to the to the husband and thus fulfills her true desires a man's desires are deep and strong according to Sarah, and women can only intuit such desires. The old woman, a sly character, tells Sarah that his teachings are good even though he has so little contact with women. This is meant to be a playful taunt, acknowledging that Sarah's teachings is for young women, not old women. The, the old woman then goes to give Sarah's teachings to the young women of the town. Well, I do want to point out no. You, know, you you can interchange things there. You can interchange um, or exchange. Or actually both genders here. Yeah. You know, him speaking about man in a certain way. You know, you could also say, okay, this is the same with women, you know, and man. Anyway, on the edder's bite. Sarah falls asleep under a thick tree and an adder appears and bites him on the neck. Sara is awakened by the bite and states into the snake's eyes. The snake tries to get away, but Sara catches him, or it, and thanks him for the bite. The other replies that his bite can kill a man, but Sara tells the snake that his bite could not kill a dragon, quote-unquote, a dragon. Sara tells the snake to take back his poison and the snake uh, licks the wound clean. The fuck, Sara's disciples ask what the point of the story is. Sara begins to explain what their relationship to others should be. Sarah's teachings are a refutation of the new state uh, of the New Testament's imperative to do good. Instead, Sara tells his disciples that a person should give others what they deserve. Sara does not try to do good to the snake that bites him. Instead, since the snake knows that Sara should kill him, Sara forces the snake to clean his wound. In Sara's world, taking revenge is more humane humane, um, than not taking revenge. If a person does wrong to another person, that person should return the wrong. This is a kind of justice administered by the overman. The quote-unquote good of the world might not agree with such a teaching, but Sarah says that those who subscribe to such concepts of good and evil are condemned anyway. Which I am having very, very heavily, by the way. I would never, ever seek revenge. It is something that I absolutely abandon in my life, you know, as well as just a lot of other negative things that, that I believe are negative, by the way. And now it gets kind of clear why a friend of mine said that I should read the book or this book. Because, well, I am not that tough. I'm not, I'm not such a person. But maybe would be better for me. If I was a bit like such a person. Well, three to go on child and marriage. Sarah begins speaking to the disciple who is about to get married. Sarah asks the young man if he has the right to get married. He tells the young man that many men seek marriage and children out of unworthy desires. Neediness, loneliness or animal cravings for sex or companionship. And said a man should want a wife and children as monuments to his enlightenment. He should want children so that he can raise them to attain the state of overman. Sarah is not opposed to children or marriage, but without the correct motivation, these can be ways or weights on a man's soul. Sara teaches that many men go forth to look for a wife, but instead fall prey to their own lust and animal desires. This is how a man gets into a bad marriage when the woman controls him or the relationship between the two is a burdensome one. The correct love between a woman and a man is one in which both seek a higher existence and an enlightenment, as he explained with friends actually. A man should want most of all to attain the state of or of a man and his wife and children should only be as should only be eights in that journey. I like this view a bit more than the other one about women, which might actually in indeed be about young women, you know. Even though it's not making the whole thing better, you know I don't want to say so, but 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 you as a young man and or as a young woman, in terms of seeking relationships, like it's it's only for lust, it's only for uh, you know you know, playtime, as a marriage is something that's that that should you know should give you some strength and that should give you. Well, as he explains, a man should want most of all to attain the state of old man, and his wife and sh- children should only be aids in that journey. You know, as well, I do want to point out, um, a woman should probably also want something like that. Anyway, on free death, Sada teaches that one should die at the right time. But So he says that everyone sees dying as an important event, but people should not celebrate death. Death will only be an important event and events to be celebrated when a person's death becomes a goat and a promise to the living to become the overman. The correct way for a person to die is to die by giving hope and promise of the overman to those around him. The second best way for a person to die, Sarah teaches, is to die fighting. Really. Sarah uh, then outlines different kinds of people and the different ways they will die. Some will live too long and become too old for their truths. Some are like apples that only become ripe in the fall. Uh, they are sour until later in life, but then become ripe for the truth of Sarah's teachings. Some will never find truth and Sarah tells these people that they should wish for their own deaths. <laughs> what the fuck? Sarah uh, lemons that the preachers of the day only preach for a slow death and not for the right kind of death. He laments that Jesus died too young, brought about by the evil with which he surrounded himself. Jesus, Sarah says, would have learned to live and to love the earth if he had only stayed in the desert, not to come amongst other people. Sarah predicts that his own death will be a wonderful occasion because his disciples around him will carry on his teachings of the overman. In a way, Sarah is not following his own teaching. He could have died earlier but now he says the joy of expecting that his disciples will carry on the ideal of the old man makes his lingering on earth worthwhile. On the bestowing virtue which is going to be the last one and also quite a long one. The time has come for Sarah to leave the Motley cow and he and his disciples walk out of town. As they are walking Sarah tells them that he wants to walk alone his disciples giving a staff on which he can lean as a present. Sada is very pleased with the present, and he gives them a teaching. He compares their search for the overman to the mining of gold. Gold, he tells them, is valuable because it is uncommon. Their virtue is the same way. It is an uncommon virtue for a man to seek to ascend to the level of overman, but because it is uncommon, it will soon become very valuable. Soon, Mansoul will strive for the tre- treasures and gems of the overman. This is selfishness, but it is a good selfishness that Sarah calls holy. It is a good selfishness because although Sarah and his disciples take these virtues for themselves, they do so in hope of bringing the overman to the rest of mankind. There is another selfishness as well, a sick selfishness. This is a selfishness that takes for itself but has no desire to help mankind. The selfishness does not care if Adas ascend to the old man. A person who looks through history will be able to see signs of these two kinds of selfishness and must be able to see the underlying passion for good and evil. Zara is a man who can read such signs. He points his disciples to the path to ascension. Zara then teaches his disciples that they should devote their attention to the earth to spreading the good news of the overman. He tells them that humanity is a mistake, an error. Because of this mistaken madness has overcome man through history, Sarah gives his disciples a teaching that will help humanity ascend to the overman. Like physicians, Sarah, Sarah's disciples should keep themselves healthy while also working towards the health of other people. This part of the teaching ends with an enthusiastic declaration that the earth can recover and that humanity can be redeemed through the overman. Sara ends his speech or this speech by telling his disciples that he is leaving them and that they should leave him as well. They should go away and even be ashamed of Sara in case he was misleading them with his teaching. He puts a twist on the New Testament's teaching by telling them that a person of knowledge must be able to to love his enemies and hate his friends. Sara tells them this in case they have begun to idolize him instead of his quest for enlightenment. He wants them to focus on themselves, their own attempts at becoming the Overman are more important than Sarah himself. When they have truly ascended, Sarah will meet up with them again, they will all meet again. He tells them to proclaim that that are all gods, now we want the Overman to live. That's gonna be it. I hope that I've been able to share some cool things and interesting things.